Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time here, my name is John. I'm lead pastor. Appreciate you guys coming on out. Today, we are continuing our series that we are calling Blessed and Stressed. And what we're doing is we're taking a look at this idea that as Christians, and many of us here are Christians, as Christians, we know, we know we're blessed, okay? We are so grateful for everything that God has done for us is doing for us, will do for us. We're so grateful for all the stuff he's doing behind the scenes that we will never know about it. We, we, are, we are blessed. And yet, we're still stressed, okay? That there are aspects of our lives, areas of our lives, where our faith and our feelings are not exactly lined up. They're not exactly on the same page. And so each week, we're taking a look at specific stressors that all of us kind of deal with. We're trying to find out what God has to say about these stressors, what tips he has for us to kind of mitigate the stress in our lives and hopefully feel more blessed in the process. As Adam said today, I want to kind of drill down on something we touched on very briefly in week one, and that is work. Now, to have a job is a tremendous blessing. All, all, all you got to do is not have a job and you realize what a blessing it is to have a job, to be able to work, to be able to put food on the table, to be able to provide for your family is a huge blessing. We are grateful for our jobs, at least we should be. We are thankful to God for providing us a place to, to work, and yet our jobs stress us out. Talked about this in week one. There is record burnout in this country, record burnout. People are not making enough money. It costs way too much to live these days. Workplaces are unstable. Interpersonal relationships are totally strained. And while we are incredibly grateful that we have a job, for many of us, those jobs can just be an absolute nightmare for our mental health. I saw an article this week in the USA Today. It talked about the top 10 most stressful jobs out there. And I go, oh, this is timely. This is interesting. So I was trying to guess what number one would be. And I was thinking, okay, fighter pilot, right? That seems like a little bit stressful. White House press secretary. I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat. That job looks like an absolute nightmare, right? Oh, I would die behind that podium. CIA operative like Jason Bourne. That seems like a tough job. Well, according to the USA Today, the number one most stressful job, urologist. <laughs> What's going on in that office? <laughs> I've never been to one, but I don't want to go now, all right? So you may not be a urologist, all right? But chances are, whatever you do, you're probably a little stressed at work for any number of reasons. Maybe, it, maybe it's just that you, know, you hate your job. I don't know. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's your coworkers. Maybe it's your commute. Maybe you ha hate the fact that you just have to even work. Okay, I get it. There's any, there's any number of reasons why we may be unhappy and stressed at work. And so today, what I want to try to work on is, okay, how can we have a healthier relationship when it comes to our work? Because according to statistics, you will spend 90,000 hours doing work in your lifetime. 10 full years doing nothing but your job. And so it would be nice if we could find a way to be a little less stressed while we're doing that job and a little bit more blessed. Now, thankfully, Scripture has some really good advice um, in this regard. Now, allow me to kind of build my case before we get to what God has to say. As Americans, we have been taught, or we have seen at least, that the goal of work 
is retirement, right? The idea of everything that we do from our very first summer job as a teenager to your current role, whatever that may be, all of it is in preparation for when you don't have to work anymore. Now, I'd argue that one of the byproducts of being so focused on retirement, either as a goal or an expectation of what's coming down the line, is that it sends our brain a signal that work is bad. Work is bad. But listen, one day, you're going to be done with work. You're going to be done with emails. No more coworkers. No more bad managers. No more meetings that could have been an email. No more. You're getting those now. No more. Just no more. So stiff upper lip, right? You're going to get through this. Just put another 12 years in until you can collect Social Security. Now, in an effort to encourage folks and, and to kind of combat this line of thinking, you'll hear some people say, I'm sure you've heard this before, they'll go, well, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Thank you, okay? <laughs> like, you Jiminy Cricket. You know who says this? You know who says this? People who've scored a dream job making easy money. Ain't nobody saying this when they're stamping license plates. <laughs> so like, our first problem is that we see work, we see it as a means to an end, and, and the end is retirement. The next problem, okay, and this next one really hits Christians pretty hard, is that we believe that work is a curse from God. And it's a little bit of what's called like a Mandela effect. You'll hear that word a lot recently. It's kind of like you'd swear that you read or you heard that when Adam and Eve sinned, their punishment was that they had to work. The opposite is actually true. In the beginning, as I'm going to show you, God created us to work. Genesis 2.15 says this, The Lord God took the man, that's Adam, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And this is before Eve was even created. So clearly work is not the result of sin. Work was a part of God's original design for us, which means work is what we were created to do. And so if that's true, and it is, then why does work feel like work? Okay? Studies show that the average worker feels uninspired, unappreciated, insignificant, which culminates in a feeling of being stressed. Is this you? You feel this some days, most days? Has there come a point in your life, and maybe it's in the shower every morning before you go to work, where you're just like, oh, something's got to change. Something has, well, Paul, the guy who wrote over half the New Testament, agrees. Something does have to change. And what I want to show you today is what I'm going to call Paul's secret to success. If you do, what Paul's about to tell you to do, you will find meaning at work. If you do what Paul's going to suggest that you do, it will improve your mental health. You will be a whole lot less stressed. And what's even better, and I can guarantee this, you will feel blessed in the process. So what is Paul's secret to success at the workplace? Very simple. Here's what he says. Whatever work you do, do with all your heart. Now notice he says whatever work you do. That's huge. He doesn't say, well, once you land the dream job, then work with all your heart. He doesn't say, once you get that promotion, then do it with all your heart. He doesn't say, once you get that raise, well, now you can start working with all your heart. This is how many of us think, isn't it? That is not what Paul says. Paul says, whatever work you do, whatever you're currently involved in right now, do that with all your heart. To which some of you might say, 
really, Paul? I mean, do you know what I do? I mean, this is like a, this is like a temp job. I'm just kind of filling the gap right now. I, 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 I never wanted this job. I, I lost my dream job. I had it. I lost it. Now I'm doing this. Paul, my manager, who, by the way, makes a lot more money than I do, they don't even work with all their heart. Why would I work with all my heart? And then he gives you your motivation. And the motivation is a game changer. He says, do it for the Lord and not for men. In other words, when you show up at work tomorrow, where it's Publix or the construction site, maybe it's the marina or a law office or a hospital or as a stay-at-home parent, Paul's like, I want you to show up as though, as though you're working for God himself. I want you to work as though God is your boss as though God is your senior partner, as though God is your manager. This idea of, of working for the Lord, honestly, is so foreign to us. And it's difficult to imagine what that even looks like practically. Because we all know what working for man looks like. I mean, working for men looks like quiet quitting. You've heard this term, buzzword these days. right? It's, it's putting in the bare minimum just to keep the job. Working for man looks like saying, well, I'm going to do exactly what you pay me to do and no more. It's saying, if this falls outside of my duties, I'm not doing it. It's saying, you pay me to work nine to five, and if you ask me to do anything that takes me to like 520, I'm not doing it. That's working for man. Working for man looks like bad-mouthing the company. Between social media and the, and the water cooler, all you do is complain and vent your frustrations about your boss and the company. And I get it, okay? We've all been there, okay? It makes you feel better. It makes you feel like you've got a little bit of control in this chaos that you call your job. But this is not working for the Lord. This is working for man. Lastly, and I would just add this one, work for man looks like arriving late and leaving early. And I get it. Sometimes there's unexpected traffic. It happens, and so you're late. Sometimes it's a light day at work, and so you dip out a few minutes early. No harm, no foul. But when it becomes a pattern of you consistently showing up late, consistently leaving early, consistently taking long lunches, the uncomfortable truth is you're stealing. You're not working the hours that you're being paid to work. So maybe the reason so many of us lack joy in our jobs is because we're actually working for men. So Paul steps in and says, let's hit the reset on work. From now on, what I want you to do is I want you to work for the Lord, which means I want you to see your work as an act of worship. It's like, you know how you wake up on a Sunday, as you all have done, and there's a bunch of stuff you could do. You could go to brunch, you could go to the beach, you could, you, you know, you could take the boat out. You could just sleep in. You could exercise. You could do absolutely nothing. But as an act of worship, you all came to church. Or you know how you volunteer here, maybe as a greeter or with the kids, or maybe you just give financially. And you do that as an act of worship to God. Paul says, now I want you to view what you do Monday through Friday, nine to five, as an act of worship to God. That no matter what job you have, Whatever work you do, as he would say, I want you to shift your perspective from this pays the bills to I'm serving the Lord. Now, that's a lofty challenge. Then this is one of these slides that you look at it and you give it the old CMA, the old Christian moan of affirmation. Mm, 
right? And then do nothing with it. <laughs> Take a picture and never look at it again. Particularly because sounds good, but like we don't even know what it means to work for the Lord. We don't really know what that looks like. And so for the remainder of our time, I want to show you exactly what it looks like to work for the Lord. What impact it can have on your life and your mental health and your stress levels and the people around you. So the first thing that we want to do, we want to shift our mindset to working for the Lord, is we want to connect work to service. Connect work to service. Normally, when we think about our jobs, our careers, whatever it is we do, we think about the task at hand that puts the paycheck into the pocket. Am I right? In other words, we connect work to money. The problem is, according to psychologists, if you only work for money, you'll never be satisfied. Because money will either wear out fast or it'll never be enough. And so they say, don't work for money, which means there's got to be a higher reason why we're working. But this is what we do. Instead, we need to consciously, consciously as a choice, connect our work to serving others. And when you do this, it will make your work feel more purposeful. All of a sudden, you're, you know, I'm just a teacher. No, you're not just a teacher anymore. Now you're shaping lives of children who will go on to shape the future. You're not just uh, an accountant. You help people stay organized so they can achieve goals in their life. God gave each of every single one of us gifts and talents to allow us to perform jobs. But these gifts and talents that he gave us weren't handed to us just to benefit us, rather to serve others and serve the greater good. So here's a great question to wrestle around with this week. Who do you serve? Think about your job. No matter what job you do, we all serve somebody. So who do you serve? And when you can figure that out, when you can figure how to connect your work to that person rather than to a paycheck, you might, for the very first time in your life, feel satisfied and significant. Secondly, when you work for the Lord, it'll create what I'm going to call eternal opportunities. What does that mean? When you embrace this paradigm shift, and it is, of, of beginning to work for the Lord, you will begin to act and look and work differently than the average coworker. And when they see you treat others with kindness, when they see you not engaging in office drama, when they see you showing up, not just on time, but early, staying until the job is done right, even if that means staying late, when they see you going above and beyond what is asked of you, trust me when I say this, not only will you probably get a promotion, but more importantly, at some point, someone's gonna say, why are you different? Like, I watch you work, and we have the same jobs. I presume we're getting the same paycheck. But it's like you're working for a completely different company. It's like you're having a, a completely different work experience than I am. So what's up with that? Which gives you a great opportunity to say, you know, a while back I heard a sermon from a guy. Good looking. Muscular. Fashion. I'm sorry, I'm getting distracted. It was so profound day. And I decided in that moment that I was no longer going to work for man, that I was going to work for God. And it completely changed the way that I did things, and it completely changed my life. And one of the consequences when you start working for the Lord is that no matter where you work, the way that you work becomes a way to share the gospel. 
And because of how America is now, many of us can't even talk about our faith on the job. Not a problem. Because when you live out what it means to work for the Lord, your actions will speak volumes. Jesus will be preached through your very behavior, and God will be honored. Furthermore, I would argue that when you bring God into your work, it removes unhealthy competition. So often the workplace is all about me, isn't it? It, it, it's my job, it's my paycheck, I, it's my promotion, I gotta get my piece of the pie, often at the expense of pushing others down and out of the way. Coworkers are seen as nothing but targets to beat. That's working for men. But when you work for the Lord, it's like the scales fall off your eyes and you realize that you actually work with people who have families, and lives, and feelings, and struggles, and a soul. And all of a sudden, work is no longer about beating others. Work can actually become an opportunity to help others be better. Imagine seeing your coworkers as teammates, rather than rivals. Like, you know when your boss says, hey team, and it makes your skin crawl because you're definitely not a team? Imagine if you were. Imagine actually building others up in the workplace rather than tearing them down. Now you hear this and you're thinking, well, that's all well and good, right? Fine. Oh, but John, you don't know my coworkers. Fair enough, I don't. So let's talk about coworkers for just a second. Because coworkers are a big source of stress in our lives. And the truth is, coworkers can be the worst. You're working in close proximity. Tensions are high, a lot of different personalities, and sometimes you have to work with people who just annoy you. You don't work in the Garden of Eden, all right? You work in a cubicle next to Gary, and Gary drives you nuts. Gary clips his nails at his desk and heats fish up in the break room, okay? Instead of wishing for Gary's untimely demise, I want to remind you that you now work for the Lord. And so Paul gives you a little bit of advice. He says this, Colossians 3.12. Since God chose you right, to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. In other words, every day when you get dressed for work, Paul would say, I also want you to put on tenderhearted mercy and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Don't forget that one. Because you're going to need all those traits when you get to the office. And then he gives you the practical for dealing with your annoying coworkers. He says, make allowances for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offended you. Meaning, you gotta realize that we all have faults. I, mean, I know you think you're perfect, but like, you, trust me, okay? We've all got little peccadillos, if you will. We're all coming into the office with baggage. Nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes, and we as Christians gotta learn to cut people some slack and try to love them through those faults. Lastly, I'll wrap this up. When you work for the Lord, it shifts our validation, our source of validation, pardon me. <clears throat> One of the big, biggest struggles that we have with work is that we ask our work to do that which it was never intended to do, meaning uh, to be our source of validation, to be our source of self-worth, and, and to be our identity. Work was never meant to be those things in our lives. And many times, we have bosses that are just not encouraging. 
They don't recognize the hard work that you do, and it leaves you feeling defeated and, and discouraged, and it certainly doesn't make you want to work with all your heart. But when you begin to work for the Lord, it shifts our validation from work to God and enables us to work from a completely different perspective. Paul says this, remember, remember that you will, that's a promise, get your reward from the Lord. He will give you what you should receive. You are working for the Lord Christ. Paul's like, when you work for humans, you will get very human responses. But don't forget that ultimately you're working for God. He is watching how you work. And when you choose to work according to his will, he will take care of you. He will make sure that you receive the proper rewards, whether it's a blessing in this life or in the life to come. And with that knowledge, honestly, you can have peace at work. It enables you to be more confident, more joyful, and more able to give up yourself in a healthy way to the work set before you. So what's practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it's your first time here at DHC, every single week we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So this week, what I want to do, I want to keep it super simple. Super simple. But just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. So here's my challenge to you. What would it look like to work for the Lord tomorrow? Not forever, right? Not for a year, not even for a week, just tomorrow. What would it practically and actually look like for you to wake up tomorrow, Monday, and decide, okay, today, for the next eight hours or whatever, I'm going to work for the Lord today. What would you have to change? Think about that. What would you have to change? What would you have to stop doing? What would you have to start doing? What wouldn't you say now that you're working for the Lord? How about this? What time would you get there? What time would you leave? What would it look like for you personally, just tomorrow, to work as if God were watching and waiting to be worshipped through your work and your attitude. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, according to your word, you created us to work. It's what we do. And yet for so many of us, God, it has just become an absolute source of stress in our lives. And I pray that today, God, you would touch us in a special way. That you would challenge us to think about our work differently. Challenge us to, 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 to look at the way that we think about what we do, the way that we think about our coworkers, Lord, and do something in a completely and profoundly different way to work as though we're working for you. But for those of us in this room, Jesus, who perhaps don't have work right now, there really is nothing more stressful than that. And I pray, Lord, that if there is someone here today who is out of work, who is looking for work, who is struggling, I pray that you would touch them. That you would come into their situation and help them know that you are with them. And I pray, God, that perhaps even today, you would open a door 
You would give them an opportunity to work again. And I know, Lord, that when they find that opportunity, they will give you all the glory for it and work as though they are working for you. We ask all this in Jesus' mighty and powerful name.